Hello. Hi, Hanik. And welcome to another episode of From, From the, the Lower Level. I'm your host, Moshi. And I'm Patrizio. And I am living my life in HD, Moshi. I'm Sharp, surprised. bright, and more focused than ever. I'm surprised you haven't, like, branded all of us in HDs. No, Moshi. <laughs> and just to clarify, when you say HDs, you are talking about huge dicks. Yes. <laughs> wow, um, that just, like, took a turn. I just want to say to the listeners today, we have um, we've switched it up and we're, like, recording on a different day of the week and it is too early in the week to be that filthy Moshi. It's Patricia after dark. This is what the people have come to me. Well, I'm Moshi, it's not even after dark yet. That's how switched up everything is at the moment. Depends which side of the equator you're on. But um, as Patricia mentioned, we are recording slightly earlier this week, which means that unfortunately we won't be including any Salt Lake City this week. So sorry. Um, and if you can't tell, though, we are finally going to be wrapping up season 17 of The Real Housewives of the OC. We're also going to be talking about The Real Housewives of New York finale episode. But before we get into all of that, let's talk a little bit about this week's word on the street because I feel like it's been a bit of a hodgepodge of random things, right? Well, I think Washi as well. The the week has just begun. Like we haven't had a chance to. <laughs> there's been there's been so much happening over the last forty eight hours compared to last week. Like all of last week. Yes, um, we had the Ultimate Girls Trip New York um, Legacy Edition trailer teaser drop. <laughs> Um, it was just a bunch of names. The so so it was like all the ladies' names against the backdrop, and they got their little like tagline. Like Luann was like, "Don't be all uncool." Yeah, um, it, it was like their most quotable moments, right? I look. How does Kristen even have one? Is my question. But um, I don't know if you noticed this while watching the teaser, but like. It started off sunny skies and it got like cloudier and more hurricane-y towards the end. And I feel like it was perhaps a sign of things to come in the sense of like, and this is the weird thing for me, like Ramona, it was all sunny, but by the time we got to Dorinda, it was category five hurricane. But I wonder if that's just because they were filming during hurricane season. <sighs> were they? I don't know. Isn't it always hurricane season? <laughs> I mean, with the way the world's going, yes. But like, um, anyway. So I don't know. It's, I'm. I think obviously, like this, the minute New York wraps, I feel like this is going to drop. Like, yeah, it makes perfect sense that they go from one to the other. Okay, so that was that. But then in 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 other legacy New York news. The internet found out this week that Tinsley um, is getting married. What um, is she? Like, we don't even know. No, she is. So she's with this man who is a widow and he has three children and Tinsley's going to marry him. I was wondering how the kids fit, fit in. No, but she posted, like, very cryptically, um, what is it, it, excited for the big day. And we're like, 
hang on, because this woman has not even really been posting anything on her own socials. Like this is coming so out of left field. He's got the twins. He's got like this other kid. Like it's it's a bit odd. We need, well, Andy, we need Andy and a camera. <laughs> it's a bit odd because no one has been following what Tinsley's, Tinsley's been doing since she left the show. No, because Tinsley hasn't been sharing it. Like, yeah, well, I don't she's know. She's, she doesn't need to share anything with the, word, with the world. That is true. That is true. Well, if you were shocked about that, how did you feel about finding out that Noella from OC has gotten engaged as well? I wasn't surprised by that because I knew that she was dating some new guy. Like, this is really weird, but Noella is is very Lisa Hodgkin, Hochstein adjacent. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're hot girls who will just find the next hot rich man. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of their job. So I'm not surprised that Noella's landed on her feet, and I think she could only do it by leaving the show. He's giving, like, Travis Barker. I mean... That's a whole other podcast. Travis Barker, Kim Kardashian, Chloe, Courtney Kardashian. That that's hilarious. <laughs> um, this morning, um, the Jessel Rolling Stones cover dropped and broke the internet. I feel fully the way Jessel is well posted, like part part one, part two, part three, like all the different editorial snapshots to show that she had like the big spread. It wasn't like a teeny tiny little section like Rolling Stone have their tank tops. <laughs> Who isn't? Yeah, it's so true. Um, I think like the thing though is that it has like truly cemented her as like Queen Bee of NYC. A hundred percent. And, and like, I think if we know if there's one person who's returning, it's her, but I think I shared with you that one, like the clickbait that they'd posted on, this is Rolling Stone had posted on Twitter was like something, 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 Jenna Lyons, a trumper, but the real winner was Jessel Tang. And I'm just like, the fact that we're just referring to Erin as a trumper moving forward feels, feels correct never going to be able to live it down now never it's in it's in rolling stones magazine what is it called what's the name of the magazine rolling stones no there's no s at the end just rolling stone i'm obsessed i'm obsessed that you've nonified rolling stone yes (laughs) um (laughs) so on the other side of this jenna lyons was on watch what happens live this week Mm -hmm. And she was asked, what was your rose and your thorn about this season of New York? Mm. And her thorn was the entire season. Yep, I, I, I believe that. So ha, is this just um, more evidence towards her not returning next year? I, I don't think she's returning. And I think, like, she probably has watched it back. It feels to me like I don't know if maybe there was more Jenna stuff edited out of it, but I think, like, we are going to obviously talk about this finale episode, but one of the things Jenna really does sort of call out is that, like, they didn't really create a safe space for her or, like, she did not feel that she was in a safe space and so she held back. I think there's been a lot of discussion as well about 
you know, Jenna and Uber in particularly, you know, not sharing their husbands or their partners or their girlfriends or whatever and keeping things to themselves. And I think even just that thing that we know about Uber, like not filming without her makeup on and all of that sort of stuff. And and I think like we're dealing with a very different kind of woman, right? This is a true 21st century modern woman who doesn't play by the typical housewives rules. And isn't that what we wanted? Like, what's the point of a reboot if it's just going to always be exactly the same? Well, let's talk about that in a second. Um, I just want to close out Word on the Street by um, saying that the current Word on the Street is that, I mean, this is kind of, I feel like we've discussed it before, but I saw it pop up again today. Um, Kyle and Mauricio have orchestrated the entire separation as a storyline for this season because Kyle was worried about being booted off the show. I believe it. That's the word on the street, Mochi. That's it? There's nothing else? No. Do you have anything? Anything from QAnon, um, HNON that you've been on? Not QAnon. On. <laughs> that was That was a slip. <laughs> That was a, a big Freudian slip there. Um, I have not, nor have I ever, I am not, nor have I ever been a member of QAnon. H&N on the other hand is a You do not condone nor endorse. Anything that comes from your mouth. Um, no, no, no. I don't have any more word on the street. Let's, I just want to talk about Roni. Okay. So I, so off the back of what you were just saying, um, do you think that this has been a successful season? Yes. How many apples are you giving the season out of five? Maybe, maybe three and three quarters, maybe four. I don't know. It's a weird one. I'm I really giving, enjoyed it. I'm giving it three apples. I knew you would. And I feel like that's also just you being generous. Like I can feel that you want to give them two and a half. I'm only giving full apples. Like we're not. Um, but if you could, you would give them two and a half, wouldn't you? Well, if I could, I give them two. But like, <laughs> there it is. There's the truth. <laughs> I don't. So I think the thing is, like, yeah, sure. Like the women aren't playing by the traditional house size rules. But again, a, like a consistent conversation that we have, Moshi, on this podcast is that women who do not come to the table willing to get involved creates a show which is inauthentic and is no longer interesting to watch. And I feel like that's what started to happen, especially towards the back half of this season. I mean, I agree with you. The only difference is I do think that these women were authentically themselves. Like I think that this is where maybe like two two things can be true because I don't want to like contradict myself. But I feel like there is something a little bit more nuanced about this cast just because it's because, number one, everybody has been replaced. It's a completely new set of rules. And because it's New York, it's so much more about the city and the nightlife. I also feel like, you know, we spoke about the fact that there was possibly some inconsistencies around editing and things like that because obviously they had to edit out Lizzie or whatever her name is, right? So I think within the constraints that they were given, they gave us a really good season, which was an introduction back to New York. We haven't been there for like almost three years. 
Um, I think they gave us a new interesting point of view, which is these like very savvy, well-established working women. We have this through line of fashion. And what I loved about this, about New York in particular, is when it came to style and fashion, we didn't have the logo mania of some of the other you know, franchise franchises. I feel like everyone was doing logo mania crazily. Some of them were doing fake logo mania. Um, but in New York, everybody understood the assignment, which is I have to turn up the fashions a little bit. And everybody brought their own unique sense of style. And that was one of the things that I loved, the aesthetics of it. I think in this final episode, we we got to see the real women. I feel I like agree. the masks were finally thrown away, which is ironic given this. But, yeah, I was going to say, was that pun kind of intended? I mean, that whole bath party, I just like, as an aside, the way that, first of all, this is like the messiest party, like, instructions <laughs> I've ever seen. You had to, like dress sexy, wear a mask, and then not end up wearing it, and also bring the last person you had sex with or the person you wanted to have sex with that night to the party as your plus one. So we're going to obviously work backwards. So let's talk about the party. It was a fake party. No. Yeah. I mean, I know you're being sarcastic. <laughs> where Erin's... Where, where Engagement party was a real party and Jessel's like, you know, fashion thing was real. This was a fake party. Where are her friends? Well, it was not, I, for me, like, it wasn't so much as well that it was fake, but it was like Bryn was ready to start drama. She was ready to stir the pot and that was very apparent in my eyes. Well, yeah, I think there was, I think like obviously from a production point of view, they're saying like we're wrapping up the season. So I, like I think they always know that, like this is the last time to do what you have to do. This is the last time to secure your place for next season. I think they've all secured a place next season, other than obviously Jenna, who I think is going to leave. I feel like you can't. You oh no, can't they're, fire yeah, they're, anyone. they're all coming back. Yeah, and potentially with a new housewife, especially if Jenna leaves. I don't think so. I think they're going to kind of do what they've done with Salt Lake City, which is they're going to give the core group a chance to really find their groove and then they'll start introducing new people. Really? So you think if Jenna leaves, there'll only be five housewives next season? And a friend of. I think we'll start seeing friends of because they really didn't have bring any friends around. It was This is like the one time where there was no friends of, right? It was like very interesting because they really needed to establish themselves. So I think now that they've done that, we'll start seeing friends of, which I think is going to make it better. What about Uber, friend of? As a friend of? Wow. No, I think she was the friend of. I don't think she was. I, I think people, I don't know, for me, when Uber showed up, she really showed up. And when she didn't show up, is because she had COVID. So like, I don't know what you expected to do. I think she did so much better than Bryn. Bryn, friend of next season. Yeah, like maybe Bryn is the friend of. I don't know, though. She's speaking of what on the street. She's just gone into um, cahoots with CB2 and she's, like, launching a collection with them. Like, I think what we're about to see from Bryn is that she's going, I think that she's going to use Housewives to completely like change her career. I think we're going to start to see Bryn 
as like um, a commentator. I think she's going to be doing like the e-newses, the fashion things. Like I think she's using this as a springboard to go into presenting and into more lifestyle stuff. Like you watch, like within five years, she will be like almost like a Bethany. Like she will have all her, she'll be licensing her brand. She'll be doing all of this stuff. I, I see it for her. Very interesting. I definitely see her as like an e-news, like red carpet, like presenter. I could see that. Yeah, she's she's going to be in front of the camera for a really long time. Interesting. All right. So where where do you want to start, Moshi? I know we've started at the party at the end, but well, like. So for me, I was thinking about like what is, especially when, gosh, what am I saying? One of the things for me that really stood out in this episode is that the women were often paired off. Okay. And, and what it was really, I had to sort of, because it's the last episode, I wanted to kind of, you know, tie it back into Roni overall. And as I was watching it, you know, the one quote that came to mind was women supporting women. Okay, Ramona. <laughs> it's giving me Ramona because it was all about the girls supporting the girls. So, you know, right at the beginning, we have Uber and Aaron on a date. They're at the, you know, ice bumper bar, bumper cars. And this is where I think like Uber shines, right? Like, Uber is so witty, she's so funny, and she's not afraid to, like, have a good time. So when they're in doing activities, like, she's the jester in a good way. Mm, I agree. And so I thought this was really interesting, especially when they were done and they were just having the conversation. And you could see that Erin and Uber, regardless of everything, Erin really, I think, really does respect Uber. She really listened to her because Uber, you know, came to her and said, look, I know that you guys didn't mean this, that, and everything, but when it comes to Jessel, X, Y, and Z, and when it came to me, you know, this is a thing that happened with Sai. And I think Uber was really smart about it because she knows, like, she can't go to Sai. Sai will just bite her head off. So she went through Erin to sort of communicate some stuff. And that, that to me is, like, stuff that I don't think I've we really ever see on Housewives. I feel like Beverly Hills, there's been attempts. Like I feel like Garcelle has maybe attempted to kind of mediate conversations and Dorit has kind of tried to in the past, but it's never been successful. Not Dorit. Um, I just want to say, did um, did the season not start with Aaron and Uber meeting in the park for coffee together? But I couldn't remember if it was Uber or if it was somebody else. No, I'm pretty sure oh, we Uber. were introduced to Uber as, like, Aaron's friend. Yeah. So, you know, the bookends. So there's that romantic aspect. But I'll give you an idea, Patty, like, of what I mean by, like, this conversation where it was, like, women supporting women. The way Uber came to Aaron and said, like, this is some feedback, you know, for the group and I know you have Aaron's ear – for me, I'm like, that's kind of the role Candy should be playing in Atlanta. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, this is how things should be happening on the shows to mediate the issues. If, I don't know, if there was, like, this is, you know, um, Dolores potentially could have been that person between, I mean, it's impossible between Teresa and M Melissa, but maybe between, like, Jackie and Teresa instead of Margaret attempting to do it and failing. I just sort of mean that this, the way Uber presents herself, it's, it's very intelligent. And I really, I just thought that that moment was really, was really cool. It was great to see. 
any uh, insights from yourself? <laughs> nah, I don't know. Actually, like thinking back on this episode, I was like, where was I watching this? Like, where am I? Did you watch it? Maybe I, I did watch it. That. Did you watch it? I did. No, I did watch it. Sure? I was at the party. I, I told you the rules of the party. Like I was there. <laughs> I feel like you only went to the party. I don't know. You, okay. So, but like, so, but then, okay. So Aaron and Uber are beautiful, fantastic and all the rest of it. But then you got like Aaron and Cyan. It's back to the same bullshit. Like I'm like. But it's different. I'm talking about like at the beginning, everything is building up to the party, right? Because then you have. Erin and, and Sai, like, when they go shopping, that is still the girls being the girls and, like, having fun together. It's it's And Erin does the thing that she's supposed to do, which is she conveys the feedback to Sai. And Sai takes on that feedback. Yes, she's initially defensive. And even, like, the mean girl stuff, she's like, you know, you can say I'm abrasive, you can say all this stuff, and, yeah, I need to work on that, which, like, obviously she's never going to work on. But... <laughs> Um, she just says it, so ticks the checkbox. But but we know that, like, because we see at the end that her um, size partner apologizes to Uber and they have that conversation, like, it tells me so much. It tells me that Uber knows exactly what how to how to manage these women, right? Because yes, Sai was like defensive at first, but her husband does end up doing the right thing and apologizing to Uber at the end. I'm sorry, to me, Uber Uber knows these people better than they know themselves. It played exactly how she wanted it to play. Maybe. That's, that's chess. <laughs> sorry. Maybe Sai's husband is just a nicer person than Sai is. No, but we know that he is. Like We've been told that about him. But what we know is that Sai told him that feedback. Right. And she's obviously said like, like, yes, she was angry at first, but she's obviously delivered it to him in a way that he can go and maneuver it because Sai doesn't go, doesn't interject in that conversation. She lets them have it and she lets it happen. So to me, you know, Sai obviously really respects Erin as well because she's able to hear it from her. But then like, okay, so Sai's done one nice thing, but then I feel like she did other not nice okay. things. I'm I'm saying I'm not saying that Sai did a nice thing. Like Sai is still a C-U-N-T. Like in all of this, she still comes out like a bitch by the end of it. But what I'm saying is that in terms of like how this episode progressed, like how we got to the explosion at the end, there's all these little things that happen. But I think as well to your point that like Uber is a friend of potentially, I'm just like, I don't know. To me, like, I think we're just not, we're not used to seeing somebody who's as smart as Uber, who who knows how to avoid, knows when to avoid conflict and when to engage, who knows how to stand up for herself without needing support, you know? Yeah. All right. So then, so then what's, what's next on your list of women supporting women? Um, I think it was Bryn and Sai. I can't even remember their scene. Oh, okay. I remember the tree. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Can I just say, first of all, set up, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) the tree, 
You know what I didn't like? Like, Sai is just finding out about this plan for the first time, and then they meet the tree people, and Sai is like, we're really excited to be here. I'm like, Sai, shut the fuck up. You, like, didn't even know what you were coming to today, and now you're really excited. Like, she, Sai to me is that girl that just, like, and I feel like, no offense to anyone out there, but, like, it's a very, like, American thing to just throw out pleasantries which don't really mean anything and you don't mean either. She's, like, one of those people that's, like, oh, great to meet you. And you're, like, you don't care about meeting me. Do you want to know something? I don't know, because I just think she just has manners. So, (laughs) because I would do the same thing. I mean, what I'm hearing is that maybe we shouldn't let you in front of people because you would be like, why the fuck am I here? Show me, what what am I doing with trees? But no, I think like she, I think one of the things that you have to remember is that like there's obviously her voiceover that's coming in from her confessional. But when it comes to Bryn, like she sees Bryn as a baby sister, they have so many similarities. She they, she obviously identifies with Bryn on a different level as well because she understands Bryn as a woman of colour as well, like having that aspect of, of themselves. There is some shared, you know, it's, dias- it's diasporic. There's something that they have at kinship that like you just can't have with anybody else and it's just you can't explain it. And so there is a sensitivity that Sai gives to Bryn. And so I think when she's confronted, like she's brought, Bryn has brought her into this really intimate, special moment. How else would you expect Sai to behave? Would you just expect her to have no manners? I just feel like not only is Sai fake as fuck, she also like was trying to move through that scene a little too quickly. I feel like she was like, Bryn was like, oh, is that a tree? And Sai was like, great, we'll buy it. Like, it's like, can we just like slow down a little bit here? Give Bryn a moment. I feel like Sai's just like, she's just so like, we have to get straight into the mess every single time. I just like, can we go a bit slower? It's so funny because I just didn't experience it in the same way that you did. I'm just, if Sai looked at the, at, at one of these housewives in the wrong way. I was like ready and that's to, exactly what to I mean. pull up like, arms. If you could hear Sai breathing, you'd be like, why is she breathing? I feel like you're not allowing Sai to have, to be multifaceted, Patrizio. And I think, I think, but I'm going to say to you, I think that is fair because housewives is soap operas, as you say, you know, it is this, it is this satire or parody of that world. And so we don't really want three dimensionality from these women. You know, we do want them to kind of be two dimensional, a bit, a bit black and white and not too gray. And I I think that's okay because she is so vehemently the villain and there just isn't space for the villain to also be sensitive and nice. Can we talk about my dream team, though? Who's your dream team? Jenna and Jessel. That was really beautiful. My team, the dream team. (laughs) Well, that was like women supporting women as well. I mean, come on. That, that, That is what the show was meant to be about. The power that it had. The, like the significance that it had the the oh, just jenna opening up her home to jessel for this photo shoot jenna hopping in and giving some notes 
not just proper creative direction that costs thousands of dollars. Okay. Like, come on. Uber showing up as well for you, girly. <laughs> like, that is the couch I want to be sat on. So, okay, so here is another side too. So I, I mentioned before that, like, I think Uber is very smart in terms of, like, just the way she carries herself, how she deals with people. Like, Uber is somebody who knows how to get what she wants in the right way, in a in a specific way. I think Jessel is exactly the same. I think Jessel is so, like, the fact that Jessel is just, like, a nice, decent person um, look at where it's landed her. And you know what Jessel did that is so clever? She left the launch of her brand to the end of the season. So it is the last thing that you remember. Because if she had done it at the beginning of the season, the expectation would have been that every episode she would have had to build up, build up, build up the brand in order for it to resonate. But she's like, oh, yeah, and by the way, I'm launching this brand. It's actually up and running. I'm shooting at Jenna Lyons' house. You're going to have to have me back next season to find out where it goes. Like, this woman is a marketing genius. Well, she's PR. But they're different streams, right? Because PR is more around managing the brand, but actually building out a campaign and being so smart and strategic. I mean, in terms of PR, it's like very old school PR, but like, and, uh, to bring your model friend in, to bring Jenna Lyons in. Like, I mean, there, there just hasn't been anybody who is like Jessel on Housewives, in my opinion, ever. And that's why she's got the seat next to Andy. A hundred percent. And on top of just the way that she's dealt with these women, I mean, hats off. I think, um, I don't know if you caught any of the Jenna Lyons and Julia Fox on Watch What Happens Live this week. I haven't watched it yet. Um, Julia Fox brought up this point, which I think is also kind of true. She was just talking about how, like, I think part of Jessel's problem, which, like, you know, shouldn't be a problem, but it is, um, is because of her accent, she does come across, I think, to an American. Oh, yeah. Pompous and, like, uppity. well, she just comes across as posh. Like, that's that's literally it. Yeah. And so I think that's what's kind of, like, done her in, I think, with the Erin and the size of it all. But that's that's the chip on their shoulder. Like, that's, okay, we get it. Like, you know, size from the Bronx and, and you know, Erin is, like, a true New Yorker with the accent. But, like, Jessel cannot help that she's from Britain. Like... <laughs> It's Doreen. She's from from Kenya, okay. Well, she's from Kenya and then she's from Britain via Kenya, okay? Like, I mean, wherever she's from, it doesn't matter. But, like... That's that's their chip on their shoulder, and that's why it's so funny that they that it that she winds them up. You know, you just mentioned Cy being from Bronx. Um, I feel like one of the promises that we got from this new season was we were gonna see like parts of New York that we've never seen before. Like it was gonna go into Harlem, it was gonna go into Queens. I feel like we didn't get that. I think the fact that we were back in Brooklyn, it had been years, I think like Let's take baby steps. We also got got to go to up and coming Tribeca. 
So I think we're winning. I think there was opportunities, but I suspect Lizzie was in them. Like things were cut. Do you think um do you think Tribeca is having a moment now that Jessel's put it on the map? I think that um I think it's done, to be honest. I think where Jessel is in Chelsea, I think that's that's, I mean, it's been the spot for a while as well. But, like, I think, I don't know, I think the things are changing. But you know what? I'm going to say something to you here, Patrizio. If you want to see other sides of New York, there are so many other shows, reality shows, that show those sides of New York. Um, Blood, Sweat and Heels is a show that was axed that is um, very adjacent to this version of Roni. Um, it's on Bravo and it's, um, again, around black women, like making it, and it goes everywhere in the five boroughs of New York. Um, there was also a show that came out like years ago that was based in Washington Heights, um, which is like one of the poorest neighborhoods in Manhattan, believe it or not. Lots of like Dominican, Puerto Rican, like very Latinx, you know, crew of people and it follows young people. I just think we are at a point now where if you want to see these things, don't be expecting it from Andy and them. There are so many other shows where it's happening. Just expand your horizons. Thank you, Moshe. I will. I just, like I said, I just feel like a promise was made. (laughs) I think the promise was delivered. I think we finally, like, Let's talk about the fact that we finally got the diversity that we've really been asking for. We have, you know what I mean? Like we had an African model, okay? Like they went to the motherland to meet the quota. (laughs) Um, I think we had culturally like such a really great mix. We had, I think, our first Indian housewife. Obviously there's, we've had, we've got, um, Bravo have a show that is about the Indian community in Florida. Um, we on Married to Medicine, we've had Anila like in the other universes, but they gave us Jessel Tank, who is Indian via Kenya, via Britain, like cosmopolitan. Like that is amazing. Um, I think what went wrong is the sci factor. And it's to your point, which is that. I think like she thought she was doing something and it didn't work out. And I think it's time to talk about the party because while Jessel is ending on a high note with a new brand, the last images that we have of Sai are literally of her screeching at people. Or She's like, done that a lot this season. She like when she gets like fired up, she starts screaming. Um, and Jessel just being like, babes. You don't have to yell. Like, was amazing. Jessel was like one line away from saying, if I can smell your breath, you're too close. Like it was. Like she was, she'd had her lines written. She was ready. I thought the parrot thing was kind of funny as well. But one of the things that I don't think is going to continue working is Erin kind of playing both sides because she's very quick to jump in with Sai, but at the same time, she's the bone collector. She's the one, I think when they watch it back, they'll see that she's the one that is bringing in and stirring up all the drama, really. You know what I mean? So yeah. 
it'll be in uh, that's that's what I'm interested to watch at the reunion now that they've all watched it back. I want to know their opinions of how the show went. I was actually kind of surprised that Jessel kind of ends in a good place with Cy and Aaron at this party. But I don't think you should be surprised because at the end of the day, Jessel is going to end up on top. And the way that she ended up on top was sitting next to the mink, the mean girl. She showed them, like, you can't bring me down. Jessel will will do whatever it takes to keep things concise. But I think also it just so happened that Bryn was like, nobody is giving me enough attention. Let me see what I can do to fuck shit up. Bryn, our greatest disappointment. It really is. Like, the one-liners are great. You know, she gives good drama every now and then, but I don't know what is real and I don't know what is not real. I feel like when your tagline is like, get me mad, I'll date your dad, like you were coming in hot and I just didn't, I didn't even get that energy from her. Like how come she didn't try to date anyone's dad? Yeah, I think it was funny that she was like flirting with all the husbands and making a show of it and there was like a lot of little jokes and things like that. But where was the grandpas? Where was the dads? Like why is she not dating Aaron's dad? Like I want to know <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know whose dad she would date? Aviva's. A hundred percent. Yeah, you're gonna say George. Like, but but would say, would you not date George? <laughs> I would date George at this point. I think you know what's crazy. I think George is still, still alive. <laughs> yeah. I'm just I'm just doing a quick. Um, Even his veneers, like. <laughs> no, those veneers are forever. <laughs> <laughs> They're not going anywhere. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Our biggest disappointment, I just, I don't know, this party was messy. I mean, trying to make out with Jenna Lyons again. Like, it's all these shticks. I think that's the thing. She's got a shtick and, like, I'm over it. I'm done. Like, Yeah, she relied too much on gimmicks. And, and look, I think on the one side, like, she gave us so much in terms of, like, all the stuff that happened in her family and all of these things. But I think the fact that she's the only one who we didn't see working or at work rather, not working because obviously what they're doing is work, you know, the things about like the chess and the books, like those are all great little things, but they led nowhere. And I understand it. Like it felt very much like she was trying to control this narrative of how people see her. And it's like, that's fine. But at this stage, we know you have depth, but there are other facets of your life that like would give you that depth as well. The ones that you're showing us, they seem a bit contrived because, you know, with, with Bryn, everything relates back to a story. You know, it'd be like when I was young, my grandma would do this, or did, and I and I get that. That is all onion layer stuff. But I want to know, like, what what makes you this it girl in New York? Like, you're living a Carrie Bradshaw lifestyle. Like, talk to us about what that is really like. Like, I want to know about how hard it is to date in New York now. Do you know what I mean? Like. I feel like Jenna even gave us that from her from the lesbian perspective, but but um, Bryn had this whole opportunity, 
to show what the nightlife, the dating life is like. And this is why I think next season they need to bring friends because I think the fact that none of them brought a friend to act, which is when they're actually going out and doing these things. Cause like, she's not taking side to the club. Do you know what I mean? Um, I think that once they start bringing friends of, then we're going to get to start to see how their lives actually are. Am I a bad person for wanting yeah. to know whether yes. Bryn actually bought the tree? You don't, well, you don't buy it, you endow, you endow it. So she sponsors it. You know, she doesn't own it. Well, okay, so that I want to know whether, like, payments are being made. I feel like they are. That's well, the one thing that I, I don't think she would lie about. You know, well, like, now that you've, like, said the whole grandma thing, I was also like, you'd think her grandma was living in New York, but she wasn't. Okay, so here, no, she wasn't, but here's why... But one of the things that she does say is that her grandma always wanted her to live in New York. Like, so for me, it's like, okay, I mean, I think for anybody who is like urban, like as in like lives in the cities, grown up in city, like there is this thing about New York, right? Like New York is where we would all love to be if we could be. And I mean, are you saying no? <laughs> I could <laughs> think of at least five other cities I prefer to be than New York. Okay, well, that's fine. But like, that's another podcast. <laughs> that is another podcast because like you just get so much hate on that podcast but I think like New York is this north star for a lot of people especially if you're from a small town in Indiana and you really you know you've gone through this really hard time like if I can make it there I can make it anywhere like that's okay, Alicia Keys. <laughs> okay. I, it wasn't Alicia Keys who sang it first so but that's all right you're young I'll Okay, oh. Dean Martin. <laughs> Frank Sinatra. Um, <laughs> Wendy Williams. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but um, Wendy Williams for the next season of New York City. <laughs> why not? But I think, you know, and that's for me, like that's the story that Bryn is trying to tell. I look, grandma, I made it. So talk to us about how you made it. Show us now what it means to have made it and what that's like. One of the things about Bryn, if you follow her on social media, and this is the reason why I very much believe that she has paid for the tree, is like the image that she is cultivating for herself is like very preppy and very elite, right? She's all about chess and these um, first edition books and she's a patron of the arts. Like there was this huge New York City ballet thing recently. She was there. She goes to the ballet often. Like she's cultivating this aspect of elitism and culture that she wasn't exposed to, but that's who she wants to be. That's the aspirational stuff and she's hitting it. And having like something like a tree or a bench in Central Park very much fits into that mould classic cars, you know, this older husband, like all of that stuff, it ticks all of those boxes. So that's that's what she's building for herself, you know? I'm sorry. I, I just can't get Wendy Williams singing out of my head now. You're ruining this podcast right now. You, <laughs> if nobody has seen Wendy Williams singing on The Masked Singer, you haven't lived. Um, Especially when she snorts. <laughs> no, I, I hear what you're saying about Bryn. I hear you. I feel like um, uh, you, you, what you said she was Carrie Bradshaw, but I feel like is, is she like almost a big gossip girl? Yeah. 
Well, that's so that's the shame, right? Is that she should be giving us Carrie Bradshaw, but she was giving us Serena Vanderwoodson. Mm. Serena did. Serena actually snorted bags. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> where's Bryn in the bathroom? You know what I'm saying? But let's let's like wrap this up and talk about like this final bit of drama. <laughs> the bathroom comment is the comment that gets you. Um, Moshi to Bryn. Were people doing coke in your bathroom? <laughs> what? No, Moshi to Bryn. Why are people not doing coke in your bathroom? But like. So this whole thing with Uber, because you spoke about it last week, you were like, so what's the, why is she like screaming at her? And I told you it was because of this whole thing, what was said on camera, what was said off camera. It feels like a lot of semantics to, with me for me. I'm actually very much team Bryn on this. But let's talk about these reactions to the tea being spilt. And the tea is not even that interesting Uber is dating a man who lives in Connecticut. Like that is that is the tea. And she's mentioned it several times through the season where she was like, I'm going to drive to Connecticut this weekend. Yeah, but like uh, I feel like there was some overreaction and I'm somebody who overreacts a lot. So I feel like an expert on this <laughs> topic. Who, who overreacted the most? Who were you even surprised about the overreaction? I was surprised that Uber left. I wasn't surprised that Uber left the party, but I also was surprised that she left the party. Mm-hmm. I just was like, this isn't, I, don't, I, I just don't know whether she left the party over what Bryn said or she left the party over the way Cy reacted. Like, that's what I, I'm just not sure about. Like, I don't fully understand, like, what was the thing that upset Uber the most? I hope it was Sai because Sai's the problem of everything. And that's kind of what I think it is. Um, I think who overreacted the most is Sai, obviously, with the screaming. But I think it's because, like, Sai fully got busted. Like, you know, the fact that she already had fucked up by telling Aaron but then proceeded to hang out with Aaron and Bryn and tell them more. And it seemed to me, I don't know if you picked up on this, but it seemed to me like they actually know who the person is as well. Mm. Well, Sai well, Cy definitely knows who it is and then probably has said to them, and it, there must be a notable person. Like, That's what yeah, I'm saying. I think it's obviously is. a notable person in their society, whatever, and I feel like they they all know who that person is. I I think Uber should be most disappointed in herself. Oh, why? Why? I'm curious. Because I think Uber, I mean, I think Uber is one of the only women that hasn't watched Housewives before coming on to the show. I think. I believe that. <laughs> oh, um, Jenna. Has Jenna watched it? Do we watch Jenna it? watched some episodes in preparation. Okay. Probably not the right episodes. <laughs> <laughs> um. I think Uber like forgot the golden rule, which is like the minute you give someone something, it is officially free game. Like when you've given it to them on camera. Yes. But I feel like even off camera, I feel like it's it's dirtier, but I think it's still kind of like up for like play. Perhaps it's not like a full blown 
discussion, like like a f- full blown reveal. Maybe it's like, uh, so Uber, who are you dating? Are you dating anyone? Like knowing that you have this piece of information behind you, kind of saying that. I think that's perhaps what you can do with the off camera stuff. But yeah, if you set it on camera, like it's it's game over. It's out. It's available. So what if I give you a new little spin on this, Patrizia? Oh, here we go. Remember at the top of the episode, I said that Uber knows how to play people to get the outcome that she wants. Now, one of the things that she said, she called Erin the New York Times. She said if she tells Erin, Erin will tell everyone. And that is true. We have seen that Erin does just spill the tea because Erin is the one who ended up telling us about the three of them getting together. Erin waits until, the thing about Erin is she waits until the coast is clear and it's safe and then she drops the bombs, right? But what is the relationship that Uber has with Sai? Like, to the best of my knowledge, she doesn't even have one. But I feel like Uber wanted the information to be out there so that it could be dra- dramatised. And she knew that the best person to to build up the drama would be giving it to Sai. I, I, I'm not saying, like, maybe I am saying that Uber is calculated, but I prefer the word strategic. And... I I think like at least subconsciously she knew that she could make a bigger deal out of this than it actually is. And the only way to do it was through Sai. I also think she was testing Sai to see if Sai could keep a secret. I mean, if we're going to go with that theory, then this is also Uber delivering what she can offer for next season. And that's what I think. And she set herself up because we do know that he does. the man does end up meeting all of the girls. We do know that he is, well, we know this because from Watch What Happens Live, um, Andy asked if there's a potential for us to see him next season, and it sounds like there could be. So, you know, she wasn't as closed off. But I... I do think that in a weird way, like Uber kind of wanted this to happen. Because we even know, like when she's talking to Sai's husband, she 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 pokes at it as well. She's like, oh, but we know I'm all right. I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Do you know what I mean? Like Uber is so cheeky. <laughs> wow. So, now I've now I've like got you in, haven't I? <laughs> well, I mean, look, I think this continues to just build on the working um, hypothesis of our Roni thesis, Moshi, which is <laughs> that Sai and Erin thought that they were leading the charge, that they were the queen of the season or the series now um but they have been played by everyone they've been played by jessel they've been played by uber like who they've, been played, been, they've been played by all the non-new yorkers they've been played by themselves like well that too but um yeah i just wanted to leave you with that little food for thought of another way to interpret uh uber's actions well, okay. So next week's the reunion. It's two part. I don't know if you saw this, but Tamara posted on Instagram saying um, that two part reunions and like extended episodes are the new normal um, yeah. when it comes to housewives. Like we're not going to see those three to four part reunions anymore, um, which I think is good news. I think it's great news. I think a three part reunion is only needed if 
on that last part and it's like we're dealing with something really serious, like somebody going to jail and we're getting an expose, you know, I mean, basically with somebody committing a crime. That's the only time I want um, a third part reunion. And just on that note, another bit of like word on the street tea is did you, this is around Erica Jane and that was like an iconic third part Reunion. I think that was four-part reunion. Four-part reunion. Did you see the, um, I think it's Alaska Thunderfuck or whatever her name is now, Alaska 3000, whatever, and Willem podcast. And, like, I love Willem, one of my favourite drag queens. I love because they are not dickamatized by RuPaul. They live outside of that sphere. They do not have a great relationship with Ru and they are not afraid to speak their mind. And I feel like everything they say is the truth. And Willem, like, talking about Erica Jane and how she has used the the Bajidikwa community and how apparently her tickets for her show are now a dollar. So, <laughs> yeah, a full dollar. It's quite an interesting expose. Well, the, this whole thing about Erica Jane as well, like, it's not new tea. Like, it's just, Sorry. it's old uh, tea that happened and that uh, yeah like you know erica had you know like fucked over this um designer who owns a brand marco marco um i think like it's just great that it's being brought back up again like it's especially on the back of like her, her beverly, yep bravo con her vegas show and beverly hills coming back i think especially we spoke about the fact that it looks like Erica is kind of back. And I think it's important that we remember like when people fuck up in some instances, like they don't really deserve redemption at this level. They just don't. Exclusive from Oshi, Erica Jane, no redemption for you. No redemption for you. Okay. Um, Let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll find out if there's any redemption for the women of the OC. Back from the break, Moshi. Hello. It's Orange County time. We didn't talk about them last week, so we could save um, all of it for once. Um, it is the season 17 reunion. Um, let's just go straight in with, like, what was your rose and your thorn from this reunion? So my rose was the set um fabulous it was amazing um have you just randomly have you seen the um msg sphere that's launched in vegas yes yes and i feel like you know like i used to work at imax it's a little known fact about me and i like i was gonna say in the 90s but it kind of was in the 2000s and and that was like, oh, my God. But now, like, we're entering in this new level of screen and it's kind of like, yeah, that's the way forward. I want to live in a screen. Um, so I was loving it. My – actually, what was your rose before I jump into my thorn? Yeah, I think it was the set um, – I my my only thing with the set was, like, why didn't we see like some randoms like running naked on the beach? Like when they we were could like, have, because it was like a live feed, right? Uh, I don't think it was live, but yeah, like we needed something or like Taylor. Actually, there was like some benches off to the side of the set. And I feel like Taylor should have had sat there like while she was waiting for like her turn to join the reunion. Um, 
it was a very elaborate state. I, I like that. Um, and I think the women overall looked like quite good. I like the colors. I look like the colors against the set. Colors against very... the set. Yeah, it made sense. I also want to give an honorable mention to Andy at this reunion. I felt like this is one of the better reunions where Andy has not had to get like, like I just feel he's gotten so angry at most of the recent reunions. And this is one of the reunions where I felt like Andy was just very comfortable and he was just being his own shady little self and he was happy to get amongst the mess because he was just spitting facts. So um, kudos to Andy. But my thorn was basically everything else. Wow. (laughs) What was your thorn? (laughs) Okay, maybe it wasn't my thorn, but one thing that I thought was – um, it's not even unnecessary. It's not the right word. The way that we kept being reminded that ten days later Shannon was arrested for UI, <laughs> and then the and then like the like if you need help with alcohol, here's the contact number. I was just sort of like, what is the relevance here? Like it's kind of like I just I didn't know how that all fit into it all. You know what? Other than to be messy. I think I think like part of it is like they have to acknowledge that some stuff happens, but I think as well the women do talk about Shannon's alcoholism and stuff like that throughout like at different moments throughout, you know, even Shannon cracks it about them telling her that she needs to go to rehab and they make jokes about the breathalyzer and stuff like that. So I think like it is a bit of mess, but I think it's also just a little bit of like we're taking some responsibility, but not really any or accountability. But um do you have an MVP from this reunion? Uh, the set. <laughs> wow, the set. The set has been nominated in all categories tonight. <laughs> right. No. So, so here is my feeling about Orange County. Can I share this with you? No. Okay. I'm just. Gonna, we're done with the podcast. Thank you. Everyone. <laughs> 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 no. I'm going to share it anyway because I own 51% of this podcast. But um, (laughs) here's my overall feeling, especially watching this season and this reunion. The OC, as a cast, they're one of the only casts that when they get together, they always have a good time. This has the opportunity to really be like a great Kiki kind of housewives, like, like I like they could all just be dumb blondes. Like they could all basically just be golden retrievers, but in human form. And mm-hmm. it could just be shits and giggles and a really good time. But for some reason, and I, this is where I think it's so important to have maybe why we need brief cast refreshes and perhaps we need reboots is because somewhere along the line, somebody has gotten it into their head that a Housewives franchise is only successful if everybody hates each other. And what I think we witnessed this season is everybody fighting to be in a feud and to be in the best feud and to have the feud justified. And for me, it's one of the things that I don't like about Tamara. Like I think that what she brings such a toxic energy that like her only her only thing is like I need people to fight. I need to create drama amongst people. And for me, and the problem is that the Emily's and Gina's have bought into that. 
And Shannon, for me, feels like she feels like she always has to be on the defensive, particularly because I think Tamara is in her ear, constantly telling her things. And for whatever reason, she trusts Tamara over everyone. So for me, the reason why I'm very disappointed in this OC cast is that it didn't have to be like this. So, I mean, it was truly the battle of the alpha housewife, I feel, between Heather and Tamara. See, At the I, very- I feel it was the battle of the alpha feuds. I feel like everybody wanted to be the one who was having the best feud with Heather or the best feud with Shannon. You know what I mean? Like, So just on the Tamara and Heather feud, though, so, like, at the end of this reunion, Tamara, like, cries and sort of says, like... Tears, fake tears. Okay, that's the answer I was looking for. That's the correct answer. The the woman has never cried for real ever on this show, ever. It just makes me sick. I think Tamara <laughs> coming back to this show, like people like on the internet, I'm sorry, but you are lost and confused. Like I'm happy for her to be back on the no. show. No, no, hear me out. But but not when her whole her whole thing is to just cause trouble. Why can't she just be the person that helps everybody kiki and have fun? Like why did she have to go out of her way to ruin Jen's relationship? Why did she have to go out of her way to stir up this shit between Heather and everybody else? Why did she have to go out of her way as well um, to really turn the tide on um, Shannon? You know, like it's just, and the thing that I don't like is that she gets away with it, but this is why I gave Andy an honourable mention because he calls her out on her bullshit and then you know how she responds? She tells him to shut the fuck up. Like this woman and then and then blames it on her alcohol and her drinking, blames it on the fact that she was having a hard year. Like I get it, but at the same time, like you have not had hard years and done this exact same stuff. I feel like, though, um, she had a hard year but had to also be reminded of all the difficulties that she had this year. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like Heather had to be like, and your dog died. And Tamara was like, oh, my God, and my dog died. Like, you didn't remember that the dog died, which kind of tells me everything. You want to know the other thing, though, about Tamara is that she – one of the things that I, I noticed as well watching this reunion in terms of, like, when I think of things that are classic housewives, she – denies, denies, denies. Do you get what I mean? So whenever somebody says, hey, but you said this, and she just says, no, I didn't, and then they roll back the footage of when she did, you know, talk about Shannon's relationship or when she did, you know, do X, Y, and Z. And it's giving, like, that's very, like, on brand for, like, Teresa as well, you know, no, I didn't say this. And But, but to me it's, like, that's, that's, a, that's from a different time, the delusion. <laughs> I think the OC in particular and perhaps Tamara, like it is the she said, she said of it all. And and the thing, the power, and I think we talked about this like last time we spoke about OC as well. Like the power that Tamara has though is that, yes, they can roll back the tapes in post edits, but when they're actually at the reunion, like there's no one sitting there like going through all the footage of the season to try and like, fact check Tamara like at that point it's her word against whoever she's up against 100% um yeah I like I 
I don't even know if it's just it's a housewife of a, an earlier era or it's just like that's who Tamara is and she's figured out the the formula. Like this is how you can get away with bad behavior. Is that like you just it's plausible deniability or whatever? Like no, there's no way. Or or oh, you're twisting what I said. Thanks. Which is what Emily, I think, also tries to do. But one of the things that was really interesting is that when Heather said, or what Tamara said something like, oh, well, you know, I'm not like you should be, you're scared of me. And Tamara's like, and so you should be. Like Tamara loves this idea that people fear her. Um, and and look, I think to Tamara's point, like or to the point of Tamara, She's literally been all we've spoken about for however many minutes when talking about the OC, right? Like she is, she still commands the show. She still drives the show. She can still be, she can still, she instigates the stuff and her name is in our mouths. Like this is doing exactly what she wants. It's it's obviously making her an iconic housewife on that front because she does have that power. Well, she can say, fuck you, Andy, and be asked back next season. 100% and and say all the things that she said on her podcast and be asked to come back. Um, I think, though, to that point of people who've had a hard year, for me, look, I am a Shannon fan from way back when. I, I just think there's something so funny about her. But I know that we're comparing war stories and I've got a question for you that I want to sort of talk to you about in terms of like what's off limits and what's on like what what we can talk about what we what people should be able to talk about on housewives and what they shouldn't because I think that that was one of the things this season that I found maybe quite compelling and I feel like OC like we there needs to be like I think a uh what is it like a fork in the ground or something but there needs to be like a kind of precedent at some point as to what people can talk about on housewives and what they can't um and I think like the Gina and Shannon of it all is a great little case study but Shannon has never had a good season I know people have mentioned this this one goes through it every fucking year and I hate to say it I just want them to give her a break one season like this woman I'm sorry I'm laughing this woman had her own funeral (laughs) on the show (laughs) (laughs) do you know what I mean when it comes to Shannon (laughs) I know they were saying that everybody has gone through hard times but I don't care what anybody says nobody has copped it (laughs) like Shannon but like (laughs) <laughs> I I can I I I appreciate that point, but then like also ten days after filming wraps of the reunion, <laughs> she drunk drives and gets arrested. Like it's she's not helping herself. herself here. I like, know. <laughs> she, she, you have to remember though. Sorry, she didn't just jump drive and get arrested. She ran into a house and then pretended to be walking a dog. Like she was, that is Shannony at its best. Okay, that's why she gets the term Shannoning. Like she's she gets to be what is it a doing word a verb? Is that what it is? Um, as well, like that. These are the things that make her so iconic because she just does this dumb shit. And to her point, she is going through a really hard time as well. Like I thought it was so interesting to see how vulnerable she was 
on the reunion set, which is the way that she was on the reunion is how she should have been on the show, which is like I know she she said that glimpse of it that time where she cracked and she was like, I'm not allowed to talk about his son and how he hates me. But like she said on this show, she articulated further what she means when she says, you know, she gets like when it comes to John Jansen, like the way he hurts her is because like he obviously doesn't communicate with her. He like gives her the silent treatment. Like no one has ever treated her like this when she's loved them so much. Um, and, you know, all of these these aspects of their relationship and, she, you know, she talks about how it's embarrassing, like she gets it, but then she's obviously really lonely as well. Her daughters are all gone and she's trying to navigate it and it's like, the women are like, well, then go be with somebody else. But I think like Shannon is at a point where she doesn't know who her friends are. She just doesn't trust anyone. And that's why she's making such poor decisions because she doesn't, it seems to me like she just doesn't have any real support right now coming in from anywhere. And these women had an opportunity to show her real support. And instead they just sort of talked about her behind her back. And one of the things that Heather brought up that like, I want somebody, I want people to start talking about this. Gina and Emily are always talking about other people and they're always saying, well, you said this to me, but they keep each other's secrets, right? And they even joke about, you know, there was a time where Gina even said, you know, Emily, stop it at the HD event. Why can't you just do like what we normally do, which is just the two of us will talk about it afterwards. And it's and and when that was brought up, Emily turned it around on Heather and said, now you're playing the victim again, Heather. And I was like, Emily, you had an opportunity to be the MVP of the season and you have failed in this reunion. I'm just thinking about how you said Shannon's got no support, but I'm, I'm also thinking back to like in the 24 hours after Shannon was found walking Archie. Mm-hmm. Who was there for the cameras? Tamra posted that photo of Tamra, Vicky, and Shannon or Haggy at that reunion. The Trace Amigas. <laughs> it's just, it's also funny to me. Um, I I feel like I've seen a lot of people being like, this is Emily's last season. No, she'll be back. Um, it should be Gina's last season. But she kind of redeemed herself. I need to see what em- what Emily is like without Gina then. One of them has to go. Well, I think there was kind of that discussion at the reunion about how they were kind of like being separated to try and see like what what they were like on their own kind of thing. No, well, Heather mentioned to them it might be a good idea to do things separately. And I am with Heather because I think that they bring each other down. They cheapen each other to me. Well, it's even just like I feel like, yeah, you're tying yourself to like somebody else's fate on the show as well. Like it, it like if Gina goes, Emily, like what's she going to have? Like because the other thing is Emily doesn't have any iconic moments. I'm sorry, just because she had the taco line. But like what else? No, no one's ever – what's memeable? Right, like that's that's the level of like relevancy you have to give these women, unfortunately. Right, so Emily has never produced a me. Yeah, we never talk about Emilying. No, um, unfortunately, Gina in this reunion asks Shannon, which again, perhaps, perhaps if you look at it from one lens, 
it was Gina's moment, but perhaps from a different lens, it was Shannon Shannon Inc. <laughs> Gina I, asked I Shannon to name her children. Yes, and it was brilliant. And Shannon can only remember one out of three. Which I think says more about which child Gina favors. Okay. <laughs> I am I am a Shannon apologist. I will tell you why. So this brings me to uh one, something that I was really thinking about when I was watching this episode, and I wish I'd written down the quote that Emily says because it was like lawyer speak and I thought you would have loved it. But they're talking about how anything kind of to do with your life or whatever, it's fair game because that's the nature of these reality shows, right? But when Shannon can't name the other children, Gina says that she needs to keep her kids out of her mouth. I know we've heard for years and years and years, leave the kids out of it. And, you know, Gina's talking about how her kids are at that age on social media. They're going to start seeing things. I want to know now, knowing what we know, having seen the Judice girls grow up and seeing like Candy's daughter grow up on these shows and all of that jazz and, you know, Kyle's kids, should the kids still be kept out of it? What are your thoughts? I thought you were going to be like your your proposal was if you can name the children, they're allowed to be <laughs> Like, Well, maybe that's part of it. But, I, I mean, think, I do have an opinion on this. I, I think there is, I think there's a fine line with, like, bringing children into it. And I think... Um, it's a convenient excuse to bring up, like, don't don't talk about my kids. Because there's, like, there's talking about the kids and then there's, like, talking about, like, mothering, which I think is a different thing. And I think it's, like, the when when you can be, like, like in, in this example, Shannon being, like, you were you almost going to have CPS knocking on your door, right? I don't think that has anything to do with the kids. I think that has everything to do with Gina as a mother, right? Which... I think is fair game because like, I think, I agree with you. yeah, because I think you're allowed to like, like what's the point of this show otherwise, if they're not allowed to like tell each other they're bad moms, like there's like, especially in OC, I feel like it's very like, it's a school mom show. Like we yeah. should be seeing I, like desperate housewives was like the impetus for OC, right? Like this is like the kind of drama that we need to see. I need to have like, the the bake-offs i need to have like the you know the extravagant birthday parties like where like they just keep trying to one-up each other and all the rest of it right i think that's quintessential oc housewives um yeah but like and and i think as well yeah if you can't name the children you're not allowed to bring them up at all no i think you should never say the kids names like i don't think you should ever know what the kids are called like that's what makes it so good um, but I do think that an element of why you're on this show for a lot of these women is that you're a mother. And I think there's allowed to be mother to mother combating, mothering, if you will, mother offs, if you will. I don't know. Um, I, and I, and it's to the same point that all of your relationships are fair game. But the other thing for me is what I'm over seeing is if you make a decision to be on The Real Housewives or on any reality show, one of the things that you need to consider is that it's going to affect your kids. 
like I'm done with this, like, you know, Heather writing bad Mormon and now feeling guilty, not because she doesn't feel guilty about it at all. Like if you, if, if you were worried so much about how your children, what would happen to your children, you just wouldn't be on the show. That's the way it is. So I just think that if you're going to be on this show, you need to set your kids up correctly. Like you need to make sure there is therapy available for them. You need to be communicating them the whole way through. You need to be letting them in. And the moment you start to see that these shows are having a toxic effect on your children, that is when you stop being on it. And it is such a cop out to blame another person for the way your children are going to feel about something that is said on this show because that's not the nature of the shows baby that's this is the game and that's the way it's been played like don't hate the player hate the game yeah you have to do a bethany or a sonia morgan and just like never have your kid on the show if you and then i think that that's fair game to be like i made an active decision not to have my kid on the show like they're like yeah, if you or you do the Teresa, which is I'm going to show it all. I'm going to have my girls on this show. We're going to make a fuckload of money off of it. Um, this is going to set them up and all the rest of it. Plus, my kids are stars anyway. Like, yeah, it's that middle ground where they try to like play both sides. Which yeah, and that's exactly it. I I know that. Like, I think you just have to be prepared that horrible stuff is going to be said about you. Well, and it's it's the same thing as what you've said before, Moshi, as well. Like. Um, if you've got anything in the vault, like it's going to come out. Like you can't come on this show and not know that there's going to be the rumor about you having gay boyfriends in Salt Lake City coming up. Like, I mean, especially for Gina, you've had a whole domestic abuse thing happen. Like, and that is horrible to be abused. And I think like on the plus side, it's so great that like it raised awareness, but like, there are so many things about the way you live that already exist. Like this thing from Shannon, like them Googling CPS, like it is literally the smallest of your worries. But I also like don't want this to be like a Gina bashing. This goes for all of these women. Name my children, Moshi. Eric. I don't have any, you fool. Who's Eric then? My goal. Why, why did you introduce me to a child the other day called Eric? Like, wow, Tamara, 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 you're just making stuff now. And it's gonna say it's giving George Santos. I mean, just like to break. Did you see that thing of him coming out of like his chambers in the Senate with a baby in his yeah. arms? And somebody said, "Is that your baby?" And he said, "Not yet." <laughs> and then five minutes later world hello this is eric but um no this podcast moving into george santos (laughs) he should be an oc house like he's a very interesting subject um uh, anyway oc let's get back onto it how about taylor showing up for a whole three minutes after being drunk on the street telling us how it was gonna be the spiciest and she addressed it those happen to be the same paparazzi she's known for 13 years (laughs) you know what the best thing is about taylor that she has no shame 
He truly does it. I was listening to a clip of Heather Dubrow um, addressing Taylor at the reunion, um, and she was talking about how, like, um, uh, what was it? She, about the whole, like, anti, anti-woman thing, like Heather Dubrow is anti-female, and she was kind of like, you know, it's this whole thing of, and I, I, oh, I can't even remember what the clip was now, but it was, it kind of went a little bit further than what she discusses on the reunion because it's the whole thing around like you dragging down my career and all the rest of it is literally like anti-female, like, and she can give her the her kudos for her work with, I think she called them battered women too. And I was like, I don't think that's what you can call them anymore. anymore. That's okay. But that's, Heather, it, it shows you how far removed Heather is from that world, right? How do you feel about Heather after watching this reunion? Because, like, I think I think there's two, the two conclusions you can come to about Heather are, like, one, she has been done so fucking dirty by all these women and they have just taken everything that she might have even, like, half said and blown it up. Or is Heather actually evil and she has said all of these things and she actually got caught out a little bit this season? So I am the former and this is radical because I historically do not like Heather DeVoe, but this season she's the only person that made sense and that could be the reason why she's wrong for the OC. (laughs) Like I, I just... My thing about Heather is that she always comes correct. I think she has her receipts. I think she has the best memory of all of the women. I think she knows what she says. And I think that there was a calculated takedown of Heather this season. Um, But you know what? The other thing about Heather is that she was incredibly diplomatic. I think I had really thought that she didn't want to come back on the show, but I think it's very clear that she needs the show and she enjoys having the show and, you know, because she loves the spotlight still and she wants the show still and she will do whatever it takes, including kumbayaing with Tamara to stay on the show. So I think she she knows the big, she sees the bigger picture and she's willing to take the hit for it, but... I think these women are going to need to get better if they want to take her down. I don't think you can take her down. You don't think you can? No. I think you can. I think you just have to be smarter about it. How are you, you taking down up. Heather Dubrow? You, you get Uber involved. Uber would know what to do. I thought you said Uber like the company and I was like, wow, oh, no, no, like no. a car to run her down. <laughs> Only you would think of a car running her down. No. <laughs> I think I think if people wanted to take Heather down, I'm sure they could find a way. Um, but I just don't think there's any reason to take her down. I think she's not the right choice for a villain. Uh, now, I disagree with that. I think she has, like, big villain energy. I think she used to. I don't think she does anymore. Nah, come on. She, you know what it is about Heather? She is. She's just, she's fancy pants. And like. But I think, I think fancy pants has changed a little bit. Perhaps she's changed, but I think there's still something to be said just about how like uppity she is. Um, 
she's just annoying. Like you kind of just like you want to like smack her a little, you know? Yeah, maybe. Like I did last season. I think the person who like Jen at the reunion for me was a bit sad because I just she just felt out of her depth. And I think it was interesting. Like she called out the fact that like it seemed a lot of the feuding and stuff was based on, you know, in-joke stuff that had happened at BravoCon and she wasn't part of that. So I'm interested to see what happens for her more. But like, I mean, it was her first reunion, so we'll allow it. But um, I think that she's going to need to step up a little bit more. I think, um, yeah, look, I think she had a great first season. I think there's no reason to get rid of her right now. I think we need to go back to giving all first-time housewives um, two seasons um, you know, minimum. You say this every time. I know, but I just, I th- unless they do something deplorable, like order bots to attack one of the housewives' sons, I just don't think there's any reason why, like, you should be fired after one season. You need, you need it, you need to warm up. And I think, like, Jen, you're exactly right. She needs to be now in on the in jokes. And then if she can't deliver after that, then, like, no. But I think she is more OC than all of these women. So I almost, Think then, where do they go from here? Because based on that, to me, it sounds like we need, I know they tried a reboot sort of thing and it didn't work, but I think it's because they went for the wrong angle. I think we need a back to basics OC and we need more women like Jen. I think that it should be the Real Housewives of Orange County Rehab. Um, We get Shannon in with a bunch of people who are all going through the same troubles as she is. Cause I think that's also quintessential OC. How many of these women, like the, it's, it's foreclosures, alcoholism and like bad parenting. I think that's the OC of the past. I am also with Heather. We need Alexis Bellino back. Mm. Yes. Back yes. Yes. Oh, wait. And I feel like after this, like, it's the one thing that I do think that I think Tamara knew what she was doing in the reunion when she mentioned it. Like, I know she mentioned it like Heather was saying Alexis should come back over me, but I think Tamara would also like to see Alexis back. And I think she knew exactly what she was doing by putting it out into the universe so publicly that the producers are now going to have to think about it because it's going to make a whole bunch of people on the internet be like, bring back Alexis, bring back Alexis. But Heather's whole thing was that that they'll never bring back Alexis, which is why... But that's but now Bravo is going to want to prove her wrong. Trust me, this is like very uber uber manipulation. This is brilliant. Well, and then you got to also factor in that Alexis was there at at the 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 restaurant where Shannon was before her DUI as well. Like the only thing with Alexis is if we're trying to move to the new OC, is that her children now are like you know teenagers, if not like you know leaving for college. She has her whole a whole other life going on. The fact that her and Jim are still friends and he lives like in a whole other country. Like there's so much interesting stuff. But in like I, I agree, but it's but then this is the thing though, Moshi, then we're going back to the old OC. I think like if if we're talking about what is the new OC and it's Jen and it's having younger children and it's the mum off, then those women are already past expiry date, unfortunately. So let me give you another angle. 
it's women who are getting into their second marriages. Like the way we saw like Tamara come up with Eddie and all that shit, we're going to have Alexis Bellino dating in the OC. She's going to empower Shannon and Jen to leave their zeros and get themselves heroes. Like it's a different energy. It's a fresher take. The kids are all at school, you know, because Jen's kids are mostly at school. She just has that very young adopted son. Like it's going to be about these women. It's going to be about women supporting women. I think they should just send them all to Mexico, get drunk, and then off to rehab. And I think that, you know, that's a really great moment to end this week's podcast. I enjoy, Moshi, that every week we can have these nuanced discussions and you always (laughs) seem to end it just as I'm about to get controversial. (laughs) Um, As always, it's been great to talk Housewives with you. We will be back next week talking about Salt Lake City. Maybe we'll sprinkle some Sydney in there perhaps. We'll talk about New York. But I feel there's like, is there New Housewives next week? What's happening next week? We we are edging towards the New Housewives, Moshi. I think we've got we've got a um the reunion for New York. Um well, that's the thing. That's the big one. Before we head into Beverly Hills, Miami, Potomac Territory in November. Oh. Which you won't be watching one third of that. So I'm going to be talking about Potomac or without watching the season, just as a reminder. I'm just going to be talking based on what I see on the internet. <laughs> Blows my mind every time. In the meantime, uh, we're on the Instagrams at From the Lower Level Pods. Um, rate, review, subscribe, tell your neighbor, post on your, your work intranet about us. Tell them in Slack. What a plug. Um, And we'll come back next week. Bye. Bye, baby gorgeous.